Ever wonder why you're seeing warning labels that tell you the product contains ingredients known to cause cancer or birth defects or other reproductive harm? On everything from appliances to furniture and at one point even coffee? They're almost everywhere now and the story behind these labels is an interesting one. The labels I'm talking about are from Proposition 65 or Prop 65 for short. It's a California state law that, thanks to online retail, has now made itself known across the US and Canada. But what does it really mean? And should you panic if you see it on a product you thought was safe or haven't even considered that there might be a concern? I first started looking into this when I got a new fridge delivered several years ago to my home in Canada with the Prop 65 sticker staring me in the face. I looked into it then, but didn't learn about the full history. Well, my friends, it's time to dig in. Let's figure out what the deal with Prop 65 really is and whether we as consumers can use it to choose healthier products. Welcome to the Missing Pillar of Health podcast, the show that tackles the often misunderstood and underestimated topics related to toxins and their impact on our health and well-being. I'm your host, environmental engineer, mom of two, and founder of Green at Home, Emma Roman. My mission is to help you reduce toxins in your life without fear, judgment, or shame, so you can be more informed and empowered to take action on issues that matter to your health. The research is clear that toxic chemicals found in the products we use, food we eat, water we drink, and air we breathe are contributing to the rise of chronic illness, allergies, infertility, autoimmune disease, and more. The good news is you can reduce your exposure without having to drastically change your lifestyle, and I'm here to show you how. As Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. I believe addressing toxins is a critical step towards creating healthier and happier families, communities, and ultimately a better planet. And that starts right here, right now. Let's dive into today's show. All right, let's start with a little history lesson. Prop 65 became law in November 1986. The official name is the Safe Drinking Water and Toxic Enforcement Act of 1986. In fact, it started with the intention of cleaning up California's notoriously polluted drinking water with hopes that industry would be forced to stop dumping toxins into waterways. It prohibits the intentional discharge of significant amounts of listed chemicals into drinking water sources, but that's rarely how it's thought of today. The law requires the state of California to publish a list of chemicals known to cause cancer, birth defects, or other reproductive harm, and keep it updated at least once a year. When this list was first published in 1987, it contained 235 chemicals. Today, it has almost 1,000 chemicals in the list. But listing the chemicals isn't all. Prop 65 also requires businesses with more than 10 employees to provide warnings on products, workplaces, rental housing, and businesses if they pose a significant exposure risk to chemicals that cause cancer, birth defects, or other reproductive harm specifically. It's even posted at the entrance to Disneyland. The intent behind the label was to enable Californians to make informed decisions about what they're being exposed to. Because California is the largest economy in the U.S., and according to Wikipedia, if it were its own country, California would rank as the fifth largest economy in the world, which means the ripple effect of product laws in the state happen across U.S. and even Canada. 
and Prop 65 is no different. Manufacturers who sell in California put the label on products destined outside the state too, just to simplify things, which is why it was on my sold in Canada fridge. So one state requiring business to disclose if their products or spaces contain toxins that can cause us harm is having a massive impact on disclosure across North America. It sounds pretty great, right? Well, let's keep digging into it because the intent and reality are two very different scenarios. First, let's look at what's on the list. Obviously, I'm not going to go through all 900 some odd chemicals, but I want to put it into context. The Prop 65 list contains naturally occurring and synthetic chemicals that are known or suspected to cause cancer or birth defects or other reproductive harm, as I mentioned before. It's administered by the OEHHA, the California Office of Environmental Health Hazard Assessment. Chemicals are added by one of four mechanisms. Number one, chemicals identified by the World Health Organization's International Agency for Research on Cancer, or IARC, as causing cancer in humans or lab animals. Number two, if one of two independent committees of state-qualified scientific and health experts, known as the Carcinogenic Identification Committee and the Developmental and Reproductive Toxicant Identification Committee, vote to add chemicals to the list, along with public comment periods. And most of the members of those committees are scientists, researchers, university, college representatives, with a couple of industry reps as well. Number three, if other agencies formally identify a chemical as causing cancer or birth defects or other reproductive harm. These agencies include the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, National Institute for Occupational Health and Safety, the National Toxicology Program, and the IARC. And number four, if a state or federal government agency requires that a chemical be labeled or identified, as causing cancer or birth defects or other reproductive harm. And this is mostly used by prescription drugs that are required by the US FDA to contain these warnings. Examples of chemicals on the list include ingredients in pesticides, common household products, food, drugs, dyes, and solvents. And the list includes not only intentionally added chemicals, but also chemicals that may be used in the manufacturing or construction process, or that can be formed as byproducts of chemical processes. The Prop 65 website states that a warning must be given for any of the listed chemicals unless the exposure is low enough to pose no significant risk or is significantly below levels observed to cause birth defects or reproductive harm. It goes on to state that, quote, using its knowledge of its business operations and the chemicals it uses, a business can review the Proposition 65 list to determine whether its operations or products are likely to expose people in California to any listed chemicals. The OEHHA, again, that's the agency that oversees Prop 65, provides what they call safe harbor levels for over 300 of the listed chemicals and counting using what are called no significant risk levels for chemicals listed as causing cancer and maximum allowable dose levels for chemicals listed as causing reproductive harm. And they provide levels of exposure at or below which do not require a Prop 65 warning. However, the process of determining exposure is quite complex and often requires separate expertise outside what a regular business employee roster would entail. What's more, 
Only about a third of the chemicals on the Prop 65 list have safe harbor levels provided. So if a business uses one of the non-listed chemicals, they must provide a Prop 65 warning or demonstrate that the expected exposure level will not pose a significant risk using specific guidance per the OEHHA regulations. This is also a highly specialized and often cost prohibitive endeavor, at least in the model where businesses aren't responsible for the health or environmental impact of their products. If they were, the financial model changes, but that's a whole other topic of conversation. Now, the OEHHA acknowledges that this is a complex process and says, quote, a business is discouraged from providing a warning that is not necessary and instead should consider consulting a qualified professional if it believes an exposure to a listed chemical may not require a Proposition 65 warning, end quote. So to summarize, Prop 65 warnings are law where exposures are deemed significant The exposure level is up to the businesses to determine, and not putting a label on a product that requires it can result in fines of $2,500 per day of non-compliance for each violation. So what seems easier, ignoring the merely discouraged behavior of slapping a label on everything to avoid fines, or investing in experts and analysis to figure out if the label is required? For the first 10 years or so, Prop 65 seemed to actually do what it was intended to do, and companies did reevaluate their use of toxins like lead. However, by the late 90s, lawyers found an opportunity to gain financially from targeting small companies that were operating even just a little bit outside the Prop 65 regulations. You see, Prop 65 also allows California residents to file legal action against companies who they believe are in violation of the law. And so millions of dollars in legal fees over a small handful of law firms have been earned in what's essentially the toxic version of ambulance chasing. And so to avoid being sued, companies have opted to put warning labels on everything, whether they pose a real and significant risk to the end user or not. Some critics of the list emphasize that the warnings have thresholds that are unreasonably low. For example, according to one article, For birth defects, warnings are required at one one one-thousandth of the level at which a certain chemical is shown to cause birth defects. California in general takes a much more conservative approach in their risk tolerances than any other North American, and in some cases even European, jurisdiction, likely to take into account the thousands of different sources of exposure and accumulation of each. The other factor that I talk about regularly is that we shouldn't just be focused on the amount in the finished product. If toxins are in the finished product in any amount, it means that workers up the manufacturing chain have likely been exposed to higher levels. And when the products are disposed, their cumulative impact on the environment can become a real problem. So saying that there's low amounts in the finished product as an excuse for quote-unquote safety doesn't cut it for me. However, I will acknowledge that these low limits provide another barrier for companies to be willing to invest in analysis, only to find that their products are above the limits and have to contain the Prop 65 label anyways. So while the law was created with the best of intentions, practically it's not overly helpful to us as end users. As a consumer, seeing the label on a handful of products might allow us to make more informed decisions about what we buy. Seeing it everywhere has made us tune it out. Not to mention it's sometimes impossible to find viable alternatives without the label. That being said, I still firmly believe that we need to hold companies accountable for the ingredients they're using in their products 
and to know what we are being exposed to, to the best of our abilities. If you see the sticker, don't shy away from asking the manufacturer why it's there. The Prop 65 website has a full listing of the chemicals on the list with a glossary that's a quick, handy reference to help you determine if the risk from a particular product is high enough to reconsider alternatives. But know that the sticker doesn't automatically mean there are toxins, nor that their level or the way in which you would be exposed by using the product can cause harm. It could just be the company's way of covering themselves legally without doing any of the investigative work to figure out what's actually in the product and if it does meet the harm thresholds. I hope this helps you demystify the Prop 65 warning labels so that you can make more informed and less fear-based purchasing decisions for you and your family. If you are overwhelmed at all the conflicting information and labels and want trusted advice to help you lower your exposure to toxins in your home, be sure to check out my product guides and mini trainings like How to Become a Label Reading Ninja, The Complete Guide to Choosing Healthy Personal Care and Cleaning Products, How to Create a Healthy Baby Registry, how to choose a water filter and more. You'll find them all at greenathome.ca forward slash learn. Until next week, be well, everyone. Wait, before you go, I have a quick favor to ask. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and like what you've heard, please take a moment to hit subscribe and leave a five-star rating and a written review. You can do it right from the app. It takes just a sec and really helps me to be able to continue to share this important information with more people. Plus, you might just get a shout out on a future episode. Thanks so much and bye for now.